Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Terrifying Travels. We're doing our day trip today to back to New York, actually. I had a case that I thought would be really fun to do, but unfortunately, I didn't think I could get enough information to cover the whole, you know, 20 minutes I like to normally speak for. So I thought I would do this one individually. How that, However, I do kind of regret that because I think Maddie would have really enjoyed this case. Um, but hopefully she enjoys it anyway. And I hope you guys do as well. So I originally found this case from And That's Why We Drink. They covered it in both their podcast and their book. Um, basically, I'm covering the story of Rasputin of the Bronx. So Michael Malloy was born in 1873 in Donegal, Ireland. I'm fairly certain I have a best friend who lives nearby, so I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I'm only going to say it the one time, though. At some point, he moved to the Bronx in New York and was a firefighter. However, in January 1933, Michael was unemployed, homeless, and for the most part, always drunk. This was back in the day when life insurance policies could be taken out on pretty much anyone and everyone. Like many people, some we will likely cover one day, five men decided, why not take a life insurance policy out on Michael, then help him drink himself to death? Something they felt that he was probably going to do on his own anyway, so why not profit off him? These five men, Tony Marino, Joseph Murphy, Francis Pasqua, Hershey Green, and Daniel Kreisenberg, would later be named the Murder Trust by the media. The idea started with Tony, Francis, and Daniel. Tony had been letting Michael drink at his speakeasy. I think alcohol was still prohibited around that time. And he had racked up quite a credit, which he was not paying back. So it was only fair in Tony's eyes, I guess. In total, they were set to gain over $3,500, or $82,000 now. So roughly $16,000 each. However, not everyone was going to get the fair amount. And that I just don't understand. I wouldn't do it. If we're not getting the same thing, then why bother helping you? I'd love that amount of money too, but I don't think it's enough to kill for as well. Like $16,000 in our current money, that'd be wonderful, but that's not enough to kill for. You're going to have to, I don't know, at least add a couple more zeros. So this was not Tony's first attempt at this. He had previously taken a policy out on a homeless woman. He got her drunk and then poured water on her when she was passed out, so she froze to death at night. After taking out three policies on Michael, Joseph Murphy was brought in to help identify Michael after it was done and claimed to be his next of kin. The first attempt, yes, there was more, that's why we're here, was simple. Tony just gave Michael a bottomless tab, figuring he would take advantage of that and drink himself into a permanent sleep. No, this didn't work. For three days, Michael drank endlessly, then left coming in the next day declaring how thirsty he was. So they figured, maybe try a quick switcheroo and switch his alcohol with antifreeze. Wasn't the alcohol at the time mostly antifreeze anyway, so really? Well, Michael was unfazed. The men were real go-getters, though, and didn't give up. They tried new mixes, including turpentine, horse liniment, rat poison, and finally, pure methanol in the form of wood alcohol. None of these worked. It's possible that the alcohol itself was protecting Michael as it neutralized the poisons. Again, this went on for a few days. Each day, he was coming back in asking for his regular. The men were really thoughtful and thought they didn't want Michael drinking on his em- an empty stomach, so they made him some snacks. 
Francis said he knew a man who died after eating poisoned oysters. So they made him delicious oysters, which were marinated in wood alcohol, and a spoiled sardine sandwich with poison and carpet tacks on the side. At what point do you just give up? Like, you started because Michael's death was inevitable. You would think that this would tell you you were wrong. Michael earned his future nickname as Rospina of the Bronx. Michael drank and ate it all and said, I feel fine. Around now, the men realized that, no, Michael was not going to drink himself to death. They couldn't just let the poor man live, though. They had already taken out life insurance, and time was running out, not to mention the amount of alcohol they've spent on him. One cold night when Michael passed out, they carried him to a park, took off his clothes, and dumped a heap of water on him before leaving him for the night, assuming he would freeze to death. He may have, but a couple police came across him and took him to a homeless shelter where he warmed up and was fed and clothed. When Michael showed up again at the bar complaining about a wee chill, the men had a solid idea. Hitting Michael with a car was got has got to work. This is where Hershey Green comes in. He was a taxi driver. Once Michael had passed out again, they held up in the road and Hershey hit him at... 45 miles an hour or 72 kilometers an hour. Michael managed to jump out of the way twice, but the third time they got him, just to make sure Hershey backed up as well. The men assumed Michael was dead, so they left to wait the respectable amount of time before making their claim. However, when they went to collect, they were informed Michael was not dead. He had spent three weeks in the hospital with many broken bones. I can only hope that Michael was so drunk for all of this that he didn't feel anything. Finally, in February, on February 23rd, 1933, Michael passed out for the last time. The men carried him up to Tony's room where they attached a hose to a coal gas light and put the other end in his mouth. Within an hour, Michael was finally dead. Dr. Frank Menzella signed his death certificate stating that he had died of lumbar, lobar pneumonia and he was quickly buried. Understandably, the story had made it around town during the month it took to kill Michael. Police heard rumors that Mike the Durable had finally died. Police thought it was interesting that he earned this nickname and decided to look into it, starting with exhuming the body. A proper autopsy, and frankly a quick look at him, as you can find photos of the on top autopsy online, which I will not be posting, but this would make it very clear what actually happened to him. All five men were, were found guilty of killing Michael. Dr. Frank Manzella was also charged with being an accessory after the fact. But Hershey was the only one sentenced to prison. Interesting, considering he drove the car. Um, but I guess it was not the car that technically killed him. The other four were sentenced to death. They were electrocuted at Sing Sing after only one try each. Now that is the story of Michael Malloy, the man who just refused to die. And I really just stand by. I hope he was so drunk he didn't know, he didn't feel anything. Um, from what I could find my sources, I don't think he did. He came in and he'd complain about a headache. He'd complain about a chill. He'd complain about a wild night he had last night. But he didn't seem to be in pain. So at least he had that. I think it's a funny story as long as you don't think about the fact that someone did die. Anyway, guys, have a great day. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Hmm, I'm missing one. Rate, review, subscribe. I don't know. Do everything Maddie normally asks you. Thanks for listening to us. Stay terrified. Bye.